Welcome back, listener. Put your travel hat on because today Jim talks to an eight-figure Amazon selling pro who goes to China all the time to source great products. Better yet, Jim's China sourcing expert takes others with him to help them find opportunity there as well. Selling online is a global opportunity. And today we take the complexity out of sourcing internationally. Hey, this is Jim. Before we kick off today's episode, which I've already recorded, I've already talked to a gentleman who has an eight-figure Amazon business, and he's built it doing the easiest approach I can imagine. This is so straightforward and simple, and it's kind of buried in the episode, so I wanted to bring it out right up front before we jump into today's discussion. He's built an eight-figure business on Amazon simply by finding products that aren't on Amazon yet and putting them in small quantities, of course, on Amazon. I'm talking 5, 10, 15 units, just a handful. You don't need to go 100 deep into a niche to test it. You can just sell a few and see what the demand is, see how quickly they sell. If they sell fast, well, you're onto something. If they sit there for three or four months, well, maybe there's not much there. That's all he does. It's that easy. This guy, Sean Hart is his name. He goes to China frequently. He takes a bunch of people with him and they all come back with loads of new products that aren't on Amazon yet. Or maybe they find a better way to source products that they know are working well. They go straight to the manufacturer. They build relationships, all kinds of ways to benefit from taking a trip to China with this guy, which we'll talk a little bit about too, how you can connect with him and do that. But this isn't a show trying to convince you to go to China. This is an episode that hopefully makes you think to yourself, wow, this opportunity is in its infancy, it's getting bigger rapidly, and I can do this. If you aren't testing a handful of products per month, ideally per week, a handful of new products that aren't on Amazon yet, there's so many places you can find product. We're going to talk about a city in China that Sean goes to where there's literally millions of products that aren't on Amazon yet. Any of them, the vast majority of them, who knows, we don't know yet, could wind up being great products on Amazon. Now, is everything you send to Amazon going to sell? No. But if it sits there for two or three months, you kind of know, oh, well, I only bought a few. It's not selling. I'm going to move on. But if you test five or 10 times putting products onto Amazon that aren't on Amazon yet, something's going to pop. Something's going to take off. You won't see it coming. It'll be some unexpected little niche product and it just takes off. So today we're going to talk about how to find those products, how Sean has built an eight-figure business with this very simple approach to Amazon. And we love stepping you through many different strategies for success selling products online and building your online business. That's what this show is all about. It's about building a fantastic business online, multiple streams of income. But this is a very simple strategy today that I hope will ignite a passion inside of you for testing ideas. You should always be testing ideas. Now, a couple things you need to know before we jump too far into this. At the beginning of the episode today, there's a little audio issue as Sean and I are talking on the phone for the first time and, and ironing out some of those details. It takes a couple minutes and then the audio sounds pretty good, I think. And next, we talk about at one point the concept of inch deep, mile wide sourcing. That's what we just talked about, where you have a bunch of products that you're testing, five or 10 units of this and that, and you're testing them out, trying to find something that's really going to take off and catch fire for you. We call that the inch deep, mile wide strategy. Well, at one point, about 55 minutes or so into our talk, I accidentally call it the inch wide, mile deep, and that's more of a specialization right? So I I misspeak at one point. I didn't want to confuse you there. But I think you're going to love today's episode. 
this is going to cover a lot of great detail about going to China, sourcing from China, when to use an agent and how it works, but don't let it feel complicated because it's just not. There's people who are nowhere near as smart as you are who are killing it on Amazon right now because they're just getting products out there that aren't out there yet. And today we're going to talk all about that. I think you're going to have a blast on this episode. You're going to want to listen to it a couple times, perhaps. This was a really good one. Okay, guys, I'm going to jump over, do the interview now. You're going to like it. Welcome back to Silent Sales Machine Radio. This is your host, Jim Cockrum. And today I've got Mr. Sean Hart with us, and we're going to talk about sourcing products internationally that you can sell online on Amazon. I'm talking about going to China or having someone source products for you or with you in China. All the different aspects of finding profitable goods that you can sell online. We love helping you discover new ways to benefit in the arena of selling physical products online. And we talk about it all the time here. And one of the most popular questions we get is, hey, help me find some profitable products. China is a huge opportunity right now. And I've got a guy who's as qualified as anyone I know to talk with us today about exact topic. His name, like I said, is Sean Hart. Hey, Sean, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm well, Jim. Thanks for having me. Man, it's great to have you here. We've been trying to do this for a while. Glad we finally got it worked out. And um, I know you go to China several times a year. You take big groups with you, and we're going to tell the listeners how they can do that. And they can, you know, check the show notes, listener. If uh, you're interested in getting more info about Sean and what he does, check the show notes. Go to silentgym.com slash podcast. In there is details on how you can actually go with Sean and his team to China and source products that way. But I just want to dive in and hear a little bit about you. We talked a little bit before we started recording today, and I kind of wish we'd have started recording earlier because you've got a fascinating story. And uh, I've even think maybe I've got you talked into taking another shot at that book, man, because I think it'd be great for people to just dig into all the things you've done in the arena specifically of sourcing profitable products in many creative ways. Uh, but today, specifically, we're going to talk about China. So let's start here, Sean, and then I'll hear a little bit more of your story. But let's just say I came to you cold and said, hey, you know, I'm having a little success on Amazon right now, selling a few products. I believe there's opportunity here. I want to take that next step and like source something profitable of my own from China. Are you the guy to help me? And if so, what would you say at that point? Good question, Jim. Basically for me, when I know that if I go direct to a manufacturer, uh, in most cases, that's going to be China, not for everyone, but for most folks, it will be. Then I know that that adds more profit for me at the end of the day that I can use to provide a better value and a better customer experience, better quality uh, for my products and my business. A lot of people are already buying in China, Jim, but they don't realize that they're buying through one or two middlemen, which, you know, we have a saying in my business that every time someone touches a product, the price goes up. So the more direct that you can do business with the, the actual manufacturer who has the product coming off the line, the better price you get, the better support you get, the better control you have over quality and packaging and those sort of things, which means more profit for you, better quality products and better customer service. Absolutely. I love it. So convince me, let's, you know, I've got a few options here and, and I'm playing the role of someone listening to this podcast right now. And I, I've come into this conversation with my arms crossed and I'm thinking, okay, I have a lot of options for sourcing products here. This Sean guy, he's been to China many times. He's taken a bunch of people there. They're bringing back products and selling them. It convinced me that that just sounds big, like really all the way to China. It, do I need to learn Chinese? I mean, you know, how complicated is this process we're talking about right here? And who is in that sweet spot of who should consider going with you on one of these trips to China? Let's, I don't want to scare anyone away too soon here thinking, ah, I'm not going to go to China. 
China. It's not that hard from what you've shared. So talk to that person for just a minute. Let's keep them hanging on to the conversation here. Okay, that's fair. So uh, for China, a lot of people, just like other opportunities in your business or in your personal life, you know, it only takes one excuse not to follow through with something that you know is going to make you a better business person or a better person. So a lot of people look at China and they say, okay, it's the other side of the world. It's foreign. The food's crazy. You know, it's scary. It's dangerous. It's dirty. And in a lot of cases, if you don't know what you're doing, uh, those statements are true. I mean, you can go to dirty, scary, dangerous places in China, just like you can anywhere else in the world. But the key uh, for going to China, like when I went my first trip a long time ago, it was a little bit scary for me. I was a young guy in my early 20s and I had almost no connections and I didn't know where to go or who to talk to. So I basically had to go over there and as a trailblazer and, and figure it out for myself. That was scary. I spent 14 days there, you know, end up with food poisoning a couple times because I didn't know what to do. But the uh, position that we like to take in our China trip is that we take all of the fear and all of the doubt out of the trip because you basically get to tap into my experience and the mistakes that I've already made. And more importantly, what, what the Chinese call guanxi. We've all heard about business network connections, but in China, the word is guanxi. And it basically means guanxi is your connections or your network of business people to get things done. And what I do to folks, Jim, is when I take them to China with me, it's I plug them into all of the service providers and my entire network or guanxi in China to get things done. Everything from the day that they book their trip, you actually get to work directly with my Chinese travel agent who has saved me hundreds of thousands of dollars over the last 15 years. Uh, No joke. From her all the way to my office in China, which will actually provide you with a invitation letter in order to obtain a Chinese business visa. We take all the guesswork out of it. Sure, you can navigate this system on your own and figure out what it takes to make a successful business trip to China. But by the time you get there and learn the things that you need to learn, it's already too late. Your boots on the ground and you're having to make decisions on the fly. What we like to do, Jim, is take all that away and put you in a comfortable five-star hotel with a Western atmosphere, with good food, quality people. You feel safe and secure, just like you're at home. And you can focus on building your business and and finding breakthroughs, which we will take you by the hand and lead you to. I like to take people, Jim, to a place called Iwu, uh, which you're more than welcome to go to on your own. I did. I didn't have a, a tour guide or a translator the first time I went. But Iwu is the world's largest small commodities market. And it's not the answer to everyone's dreams when it comes to physical products. But Iwu has over 80,000, depends on who you ask, 60 to 80,000 full-time trade show booths that are open year-round with the exception of about six or seven days that they take off for Chinese New Year, end of February and early March. And you can be exposed to literally millions of unique product opportunities, Jim. And what I like to do is is drop people right in the middle of the EWU market with a hand-chosen and vetted translator that we hire from the local university to walk you around and show you all the opportunities. I mean, it's literally like taking the proverbial drink from from a fire hydrant when you get there. And the idea is not that you're going to spend the rest of your importing career buying product from EWU. It's to expose you as a physical products e-commerce seller to the maximum amount of unique product opportunities that you can get in three or four days time all in one location. It literally is uh, the most amazing marketplace that I've ever been to. And I've been to almost 30 different countries and lots and lots of trade shows, industry specific shows like Canton Fair and things like that. And there's no single place like EWU market. 
market that I've ever experienced in all my travels and in my entire business career. Spell Ewu for me. Sorry, I don't even know what how you'd spell that city. <laughs> Yankee India whiskey uniform. Ewu. Ewu. Yep. Gotcha. Yeah, just Google it and you can be a, be amazed. Nice. So this is awesome. And here for the people who are listening, I'm going to do one more favor for those of you who are hanging with us right now in this conversation. You're thinking, ah, maybe there's something here, but man, China really? Okay, here's the questions I'm going to be asking Sean. This is a little heads up for you too, Sean. I've got four questions. We're definitely going to hit. We're not going to hit them all right now. We're going to do something else, but here's what's coming. Okay. I want to know the success rate of these people you're taking to China. You've taken hundreds of people. Like what kind of results are they seeing? We're going to hit that. And what can people expect as a result of taking a trip like this? Next, I want to know, like, why can't I just hire an agent and do this for me? I want you to address that. And for some people that may make some sense. And we, and you and I haven't really talked about that yet, Sean, but I want to hear your response to that. Next, what about counterfeit goods? I hear counterfeit China is full of counterfeit stuff, man. You can't bring it back and sell it. I know you'll, you'll have fun with that. And then finally, if someone is thinking about going to China, what do they do to prepare to make really good use of their time? I mean, I don't want to go to China and see 1,500 random widgets and leave going, man, should I have bought some of that? So we'll hit, those are the four questions, listener, that we're going to hit. Okay, those are coming, I promise. And you're going to love Sean's answers because he's been doing this the right way for a long time or it wouldn't be on my show. Sean's actually going to be a sponsor at our upcoming uh, CES event in Orlando, September 2017, if you're listening to this. And tickets are almost sold out. So odds are by the time you hear this, it's a sold out event, contact us. There might be some tickets left, but odds are it's sold out. But that just tells you he's really tied into our community. He's serving our community. We're going to send a bunch of people from our community with him on one of his upcoming trips. He goes several times a year. If you go to the show notes, you'll be able to see details on how you can join him. But what I want to do right now, Sean, is just briefly before we hit those four questions and whatever else you want to talk about is hear a little bit about you because we haven't talked about you yet. And I just want to establish your credibility. And I only want to do this a couple minutes. It's not story time with Sean or anything, but you know, <laughs> let's establish your credibility. Now is not the time to be humble. Tell us what qualifies you to be the guy that people should connect with if they want to actually take a trip or, or source some product from China. Okay, we can do that. So I started my first business when I was in high school, Jim, selling uh, fresh cut flowers and and just because of my personality, I'm never satisfied or comfortable in whatever position, especially in business. I'm always trying to grow and learn. So I found out early on that the best way for me to make more money in my business at that point was selling fresh cut flowers, was to either find more customers or sell my existing customers more product or find a better price on my existing product to cut my cost of goods so that I'd had more profit at the end of the day, not only for me to play around as a teenager, but also so that I can provide better quality and better customer service. So I end up going direct to uh, Bogota, Colombia, uh, which is where 99% of our fresh cut flowers came from at the time, which positioned me as a force in that market. I mean, I was literally an, an industry uh, changer at the time. Uh, back in, in central Indiana, uh, we were selling fresh cut flowers direct from the growers. I mean, they cut them on the mountains in Colombia and put them on a plane and shipped them to me in Indianapolis for less than what the local floor were buying from the wholesalers there in Indianapolis. I mean, we were selling fresh cut flowers like roses for $6 a dozen back in a time when Walmart didn't have roses and Kroger didn't have a florist section. The only place you could buy roses was $35 a dozen at your local 
local florist, which was, you know, way too much markup <laughs> for me. So we went direct to the growers and we were selling them on the street for six bucks. And I was able to buy them at that time for around a dollar fifty to two dollars per dozen, which is unbelievable. So we just passed that savings right on to the customer. So just the fact that I was never satisfied with current position or my current pricing always made me look further or, you know, go deeper down the rabbit hole, so to speak. And that's really what got my got me excited and, and made me start going to China looking for physical products. So Yeah, you shared you're like you're always going to the source. <laughs> always. Like, okay, let's eliminate the minimum. And that's how business works. I mean that's just that it, that's just it. If you're gonna provide the best possible service at the best possible price to your customers, which is what business is, right? Make a profit while providing the best possible service at the best possible price for your customers. So they so they're thrilled and so your competitors can't overtake you. Well you've got to go as close to the source as you can. That's why we're excited about China. I mean that's the source of what I don't know what the percentage is, I would guess, what, 70% of the products manufactured in the world, or maybe it's not that much. I don't know. But I mean, like they're the manufacturing plants in China are exploding. That's the source for so much of the goods. So you just follow that same trend that you did as a teenager with your flower business, hiring your friends and growing your network. And I'm curious, you shared with me the story, you hired your friends. How many friends were working for you at the peak of this selling flowers for you? <laughs> About five. Oh. But, you know, just the, the problem was at the time is that everyone wanted a bigger piece of the pie. So ultimately what I ended up doing, Jim, was becoming a wholesaler. So I would take you as an employee and uh, hire you to sell on commission and train you in the business. And then I would turn you into a customer and supply you from then on so you could have your own flower business. And that's that was really the start for me. <laughs> Brilliant. As a teenager, man, that's just such great instincts. You know, I was, I was reading a book, a little off topic here for the listener, but I mentioned it a few episodes ago. I don't know if you've read this book, Sean, but have you read by any chance Weapons of Mass Instruction, the book? heard of it? I have not. I have heard of it, but I haven't read it. John Gatto. I mentioned the book a few episodes ago. Basically, one of the things he talks about in there is uh, how even major universities now, I think it was Harvard that he mentions in the book, they're leaving slots open in their admission process. You know, they've got all the guys with perfect SAT scores that they need and valedictorians and, you know, everybody wants in. They're like, yeah, yeah, they turn away a bunch of those guys every year, men and women, but this, they leave a big old slot open for people who have two things. And I have no interest in going to Harvard or sending any of my kids there. And it's just, that's not even on my radar. I want them to be earning so much more money than they could ever earn with a job because they're entrepreneurial in their approach. Even if they have a job, I want them to be entrepreneurial in their approach to it. But the Harvard story, okay, they leave a big gap in their admission process for kids who have two things. One is they're not afraid to travel internationally and they're capable of doing it independently and they can prove that they've done it. And the other is they're capable of running their own profitable business. So I'm thinking, you know, and then test scores don't matter. This is in the book. Just because that's who the future belongs to. Those of us who are willing to look at the whole world as a big opportunity and think globally about this stuff and then be capable of running a business and think entrepreneurial about the opportunity. Even colleges are realizing, man, that's where the future is. Those are the people who are going to be running the world soon. So as a teenager, man, you were hitting it, hitting the nail on the head. And that's taken you great places over the past few decades, man. That's it's beautiful. I love it. Yeah, it has. It's, uh, you know, just being hungry and being willing to try just about anything. And, and in some cases, ignorant enough to not know that you don't know how to do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you just kind of make your way. You shared something too 
before we started recording, you haven't been afraid to hire coaches or people who know what they're doing. Right. That's an investment you're always willing to make. I mean, we we were even talking like you're thinking about writing a book and I'm like, hey, you know what? Pay us a few bucks. We got a team man. we'll do all the stuff you don't want to do. I'll, there's zero learning curve there. And this is a little plug for our servicepublishing.com, S-E-R-V-U-S publishing.com. I had Greg on a few episodes ago. He's the guy that runs that business for us. Uh, but you're the kind of guy that'd say, yeah, write a check and, and skip all the learning curve and I just do the part that only I can do. Yeah, why wouldn't I? No, that's the way you have to think if you're going to truly build a successful, long-term, stable business. You got to be thinking teams, systems, and paying pros to specialize at what they specialize at, which is why we're talking to you, Sean. Well, let's let's keep the story going. I haven't drifted away from those questions I want to ask you, but you know, bring us up to speed. Like, okay, so you sold flowers. You had this flower empire here in central Indiana, which is my hometown as well, Indianapolis. But and that's not how we got connected, by the way. I had no idea we were from this area until recently. But so this empire is growing. You're not afraid to travel internationally. How did it end up with China? Well, you know, uh, as a teenager, um, like I told you, before I was a little too lazy to work and too nervous to steal. So I had to start a business, right? So exactly. being wanting to uh, spend my weekends cruising instead of babysitting flowers, in case you don't know, uh, flowers begin to die as soon as you cut them off. Can't put them back on the rose bush. So, you know, it's it's a perishable product because sometimes I wanted to take a few days off. I had to get away from perishable products and get more into durable, durable items. So I started selling things like uh, Oriental rugs and uh, wall art and, uh, you know, decorative items and things like that that I could that I could store in a warehouse and you know bring them out on a rainy day when I needed to make some money um, everything from pillows to t-shirts to sneakers so having that personality where I was never satisfied buying from a jobber or a wholesaler or another importer I knew that I could go direct to the source and have more control over everything I was I did my best to try to get someone to mentor me uh, but for the most part the people that were in my network at the time were not interested in helping others I mean they, they everyone seemed to or everyone in my circle at the time, Jim, seemed to have that whole scarcity mentality where they felt like uh, if someone else was to gain an inch, then they were going to lose something, you know, and unfortunately, that's not the case. And what I've found later on is that the best way for us to grow on a personal level or even in our business, uh, once you reach, reach a certain level, and I'm sure you can attest to this, the best way that you can grow is to by giving and sharing that knowledge with someone else and watch that other person grow in their personal life and their business oh, no and question. the satisfaction of seeing someone else. I mean, that's, that's, that's what's in it for me. Like the whole reason why I want to write a book is not because I need the self-satisfaction of having my name as the author on a book. It's just that I want to download the information that I have in my head into as many people as I possibly can. And what better way to do that remotely and, and being able to duplicate yourself millions of times over if you just reduce that those thoughts to words and let other people devour the knowledge and, and adapt it to their business and their life. Yeah. And I think that's the best way that we can serve others and grow personally. I love it. We say all the time in our community, I mean, you just hit the nail on the head with your commentary there. But success, if you present the concept of success to a room full of people, they will either see it as cake or candlelight. And this is an example I heard from uh, my mentor, Daniel Lappin, who was also on a few episodes ago. He did a couple podcast episodes with us here. But cake or candlelight. And what I mean by that is you either see it as a cake of a certain size and 
we can each only have so much before it's gone. There's only so much success that can be had before it's all out there. So if the rich guy has a lot of success, that means someone's going to be poor. Or you can see success as candlelight, meaning the more we pass it around, the more we spread it, the more there is for everybody. And I'm certainly of the opinion, and I believe I can factually prove, I I think the United States itself, the 200-year experiment that is the United States, proves that success is like candlelight, meaning we can all have as much as we want to have. And for those who are true students of history and know how the world really works and how money and economies really work, there is more opportunity out there than we can even fathom. And that's why I love our community where we freely and openly share what we know, what we're doing, because we realize, Sean, you may have heard me use this number before, but 6%, it's one of my favorite numbers right now, 6%, that's how much retail is done online versus 97, 96, I'm sorry, 93, 94% of all retail is done offline still. So online selling is in its infancy. So we'd be crazy not to share what we're learning so that tens of thousands of other people can get in on what I'm calling the biggest shift in commerce in world history. It hasn't even started yet. And here we are on the fourth. So of course we're going to share ideas. We've all got to learn and help each other out and share and specialize and do content like we're doing right now to help each other forward. There's something we can literally learn from pretty much anyone and everyone in our community. Uh, So we share openly. And I love that. That's what this podcast is all about. (laughs) You know, we don't hold anything back. I want to create a bunch more people out there selling online. I don't look at them as competitors. I look at them as future potential partners and people who can teach me something as they as they grow. So that's great. So that that's kind of your story. Um, I love it. And we'll have you back and maybe spend some more time. And I encourage people, hey, when your book comes out, Sean, I'll let people know about it and they can buy it. And there's all, cause there's all kinds of interesting details in there that we skipped over in the interest of making sure people walk away from this with some actionable content. Even if you don't want to go to China, even if you don't see that in your future, I want you to be confident about the process and know there's some other options. And, and here's something I want to drop on the listener right now too. We have a book, ProvenChinaSourcing.com, I believe is the website. I'll stick it in the show notes if that's the wrong link. I'm pretty sure that's right though. Proven China Sourcing. That's a guy who has been doing this since the 80s importing. And he just kind of gives you a real in-depth stuff we're not going to be able to do on this call today, but just a real in-depth the terminology and and some of the things you need to learn just to and educate yourself a little bit on this process. Great book by a guy who knows his stuff, um, but he doesn't talk about taking trips to China, which is what we're going to talk about on this podcast today. Okay. So I'm going to hit those questions in the order I gave them to you before, Sean. And I want to know, and I didn't prepare you for this question at all. So the listener knows I'm hitting you between the eyes with a tough one here. What's your success rate? You take a hundred or 200 people over to China with you and you have your team and you support them and you get them into the, these fairs and they come home six months later. What are people saying about this trip? Well, that's a good and fair question. I'm glad you brought it up. So when I first started doing this, you know, I took it really personal. If someone didn't actually pull the trigger or make purchase orders uh, in China while we were on, on the ground there and a couple of people actually didn't buy any after they made the trip. So, you know, because I take their success personally and and uh, want to see them succeed in that. So we started implementing these, uh, what I call pre-trip uh, training modules. So basically before someone gets to meet me in China and my team, the first thing they do is go through a series of study courses that are all hosted online to prepare them mentally and physically and prepare their business for what they're about to be exposed to so that they leave with absolute certainty of success. And so uh, since you gave me that that information a few minutes ago, I went ahead and and pulled up a few of my old uh, surveys because when we're actually on site in China, Jim, we actually ask our customers, you know, every day we, we find out 
what their goals were uh, before they came on the trip. And then every night when we do our debriefing meetings and Q&A sessions, we say, well, where are you at so far? And we track this for the first three days. And I'm looking at results from uh, September of last year. And on uh, day one, uh, you want to talk about products or, yeah, let's see here, uh, make sure I'm in the right column. So products sourced my client base at the time, their goal collectively was to source over 1,400 products, 1,442 new products. That's each individual person writing down what their goals were for the trip. On day one, collectively, they sourced 343. Day two, 556. Day three, 654. So at the end of the trip, their goal was 1,400 based on user content. I mean, they filled out the survey on their own. Our customers, our clients on site sourced 1,553 new products in a three-day period. Wow. I'm going to make a couple observations here. Dude, you're good first. Okay, here's what you just did. I asked you four questions. I, and I promise the listener, I did not set you up ahead of time. I mean, we, we chatted a little bit, shot the breeze around a little bit, but I didn't tell you those questions. I said, you just answered number one and number four with a bullseye, dude. And you pulled up a spreadsheet. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. Well, it gets better, Jim. So, uh, keep it rolling, dude. You're, you're killing it. So now I'm looking at a spreadsheet because you know me, I always want to see growth. In my opinion, in my personal observation of 20 some years and buying and selling stuff, being in business, there's absolutely no such thing as a stationary position. If you're not growing, then you're going backwards. You're shrinking. And I'm sure you can agree with that. (laughs) I've said it many times on this podcast. That's actually a biblical Hebrew concept. I don't know if you realize that. That's a biblical concept. If it's not shrinking, it's dying. I'm about to find out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I told you a book to read. We'll mention it to the listeners in a minute. Keep it rocking, dude. All right. So just recently, uh, we just finished a trip in March of uh, this year, and my customers and clients on site decided that their goals were to source um, 1,483 products, pretty similar to the first group of September of last year. So when it was all said and done, uh, this this number is crazy. They actually wrote 780 purchase orders for a total of 1,649 unique products. And this time we tracked their guanxi, you know, the, the whole Chinese term for network. They made collectively 1,919 new connections that they could tap into in the future. And we're talking about, this was a group of about 86 people, give or take, and uh, spent $4.6 million on site on 1,649 new products. This is based on these clients filling out a daily survey every night when they finish their work in the marketplace. Man, that's incredible. Yep. (laughs) So share with us a little bit, I mean, because anyone can buy stuff. Right. Oh, the success rate? Well, yeah, hit on that a little bit. You know, I only usually hear about the people who really kill it and make Good, uh, good money after the fact. Uh, we have a little bit of post-trip training, uh, Jim, that basically explains how you can continue the conversation with your supplier and how you can grow, um, get terms from suppliers and things like that. For the most part, people don't share specific numbers, uh, which I'm sure you're used to that. Very uh, but what yeah. I find out on site, though, is that people are going, hey, look, you know, I say 30% on a product I've been selling for two years, or, you know, I've, I've, uh, you know, I've found a supplier who's, who's actually manufacturing for the wholesaler I was buying from domestically. And they're able to do custom packaging and, you know, offer uh, special terms and things like that. So it's not only about saving money. It's about controlling the brand, controlling the packaging, controlling the quality. Uh, for the most part, I have people call back or, or email back and say, hey, you know, after the trip, I, I reckon I'm going to save, you know, tens, like I hate to quantify it specifically. 
specifically, but I've had people save a couple thousand dollars a month and I've had people save thirty to forty thousand dollars per month on product that they've already been selling successfully online, specifically Amazon. So just by making the trip, they make those huge breakthroughs. I can't really there's not one single person on my last couple trips that didn't make at least one purchase order on site. Uh, which is to me is a successful trip. We try to hold their hand and, and walk them through the entire order process and uh, make them feel like, you know, <laughs> they're professionals by day three on, on writing orders and, and product selection. But, you know, I can't really think of any specific uh, negative that came after the fact. Uh, if you show up in China, Jim, and you're looking for what I call lotions and potions, like anything that's ingestible or topical, like facial creams or anything like that, then you're going to be disappointed. But when it comes to physical products, there's a reason why they call China, the world's factory, because you can find anything you want there. That's incredible. Okay. I want to talk about counterfeits now. And again, I didn't prep you for this at all, but we all know, like if you've done any study at all or paid attention to the news at all, there's a a river of counterfeit goods flowing out of China into world markets. How do you avoid getting yourself into trouble there. Is this something you help people with and help them navigate? It just makes some general observations there. I mean, I could talk <laughs> on this topic myself for about 45 minutes, but I've never been to China. Now we're talking about sending my mom with you. She's super excited. I ran it past her here a couple of weeks ago. I didn't even tell you this yet before we talked today, but I was like, hey, we got this guy. He's, he's killing it with these China trips and we're connecting with him and he's going to be a part of our community. And what do you think about going? She's like, yep, I'm going. I'm, I'm, I'm in. I mean, she doesn't even know who you are yet. She, she's in, man. She can't wait. But you know, I don't want her coming back and filling our Amazon account with some goods that are going to get us in trouble. You know, Do you help us navigate that? Definitely. Not only is it part of the pre-trip training process, but every single day on site, we do a morning session to prepare you and give you a game plan for the day. And each person walks away with a workbook that takes them through the entire training process so that you can take that with you. Uh, there's FAQs in the book, both in English and Chinese. So you can have your translator say, hey, ask this question about minimum orders, those types of things. But as far as uh, counterfeit goods are concerned, um, I, and I tell people this in training as well as on site, anything that looks too good to be true usually is. And when you're walking through the marketplace, you have to remember in China, counterfeit or copyright or patents is not even part of their vocabulary. I mean, it's just a normal part of business for them, for the Chinese manufacturer to find something that's already selling hot and tap into it just by copying it. So anything you see, you're going to see Nike sneakers. You're going to see frozen, Disney's frozen backpacks. You're going to see Winnie the Pooh puzzles. Anything you see like that, 99.9% of the time is going to be counterfeit. And you'll hear all kinds of stories like, oh, yeah, well, we have a contract with Nike. So, you know, we run 2,000 units for them and then they let us make another 1,000 units for ourselves. It's all BS. Everyone wants to tell you a story. And but for the most part, Jim, these Chinese manufacturers, if you ask them if they have a license or a patent on that, they just look at you like they're crazy, like you're crazy. Say, no, of course not. It's fake. But, you know, you have to realize that there's other people from third world countries who are sourcing in China who don't have. Uh, you know, the rules and and procedures and checks and balances in place to uh, deter the counterfeiters. So long story short, you just have to steer away from that. You know, if if they don't have a license, if you can't get a license from a trademark owner, don't even think about it. I don't care what they tell you. It's fake. In most cases, I've never bought anything with a trademark or any type of logo from China for that reason. Yeah, we just had a lawyer. I recorded this episode a few days ago. I don't know if his episode will come out first or yours when we release them for the for folks to listen to. But uh, Jeff is a lawyer who's helped that over 100 Amazon sellers with 
patent infringement and you know IP issues and things. And he was saying the same thing. If it sounds too good to be true, come on, guys. You know, twenty dollar iPads and you buy a thousand of them. No, that's not legit, guys. We all know it's not legit. Nikes for pennies on the dollar. Brand new latest model. Nope, that's not legit. You're going to get yourself in trouble. So you're going to help people navigate. And even the less obvious, but in general, if it's got a brand name associated with it, proceed with caution. If it's generic. There's some opportunity there. You can brand it yourself. You can create your own brand. And that's some of the training that we go into. I should probably stick this in the show notes. I'm going to stick some of our private label training and our uh, our keyword training even. So you go over there knowing, hey, there's some really hot keywords on Amazon right now that are being underserved. But that's the kind of stuff we teach you in our proven Amazon course. So if you've got that course, the proven private label module and the PPI module, Proven Performance Inventory. And there's some great content that will help you go to China prepared, knowing exactly what you're looking for. And then Sean's the guy that can get you there. Well, of the four questions I asked you, we've kind of hit all of them except the agent question. Let's say I'm like, ah, I don't want to go to China, man. I just need an agent. I just need someone to track down the stuff I need. I kind of know what I'm looking for. Why would I want to go to China? Hit on that. You, I've got my arms crossed. I'm like, I don't know about all this, man. You know, Is this for me? Or can you provide some services for me where I don't have to go? Let's, let's bounce that one around. Well, having a sourcing agent is you know something that a lot of people do, but you have to realize that in China, a sourcing agent is just one of the 1.3 billion Chinese people who know and understand international trade and international commerce. Everyone wants to have a guy, you know, or, or some connection in China, and it's easy to do so on so on sites like Alibaba. Um, and having an agent is not a bad thing, Jim. A lot of times, the agent will actually provide value uh, by navigating the market for you and and you know uh, shortcutting some of the some of the systems or or documentation things that you have to do to export your product but no one works for free and i don't care what this person tells you if they say oh i'm working on a salary or you're just paying my travel expense or i'm making one percent there's no business (laughs) that i'm aware of that works on a one or two percent margin and that goes for agents too so agents are okay i've used agents for years i still use agents in some scenarios uh you know because the agent has an exclusive export right or something with a factory. But all an agent is, Jim, is someone doing arbitrage from a factory to a U.S. importer because factories are really, really good at manufacturing, but they're terrible at marketing. So all the agent is is a conduit for marketing as well as translation for the English and other languages. So if you want to use an agent, that's fine, but I guarantee you, absolutely guarantee you without a doubt, you're paying too much for your product. But if you're making a profit on it and the agent's providing value and, and helping, then that's fine. But I highly recommend if you have a a business selling physical products that are being manufactured in China and you're reasonably successful, you have to go direct to the manufacturer, if for nothing else, just to control the quality and the packaging and and the flow of the product, because we all hate to stock out. I mean, that's like one of the many sins in the Amazon world is when your listing sells out and you start losing traction traction from a private label angle. I mean, it's like you have to start over from scratch. So if you can control the flow, control the supply chain, the pricing can be secondary, but I see so many people make breakthroughs on on control, on bundling. I mean, if you're buying dog chew toys from a manufacturer in China, chances are that manufacturer sells hundreds of other products 
that complement your existing line to build out your brand. So you have to have that one-on-one relationship with the supplier in order to tap into those things. That's beautiful. You mentioned bundling a little bit, and I don't want to go too far down that road, but yeah, that's the opportunities for bundling. It's been a while since we, we talked about that a whole lot on this episode, but for those who have the proven Amazon course, if you get into the PPI module, proven performance inventory, we talk about bundling and creative keywords. If you're willing to take a trip to China, your budget will allow it. Your business is at the size where it makes sense. And going with Sean and his team, And just looking at some of your more successful SKUs and looking for bundling opportunities where you could really buy in bulk could just explode your business. Give us a couple like real world success stories. And and I know, you know, there's a whole bell curve of results that happen when you take one of these trips to China. I'd love to hear more detail, but like what could happen for an Amazon seller? Give us a scenario without using names or specifics, like, you know, person X, you know, where do they start? They went to China. Where are they now? Give us some stories. Yeah, good. So a lot of times people will pull me off to the side because, you know, I'm trying as when I'm in China, Jim, you have to remember I'm actually working on my business too. So I'm actually making purchases and, and making deals and things like that. But I love the stories when someone pulls me off, you know, like I happened last September, this lady said, Hey, you know, I don't want to go on camera on, you know, with my testimonial saying this, but I, cause I'm not like that, but I want you to know that I sat down my first day with a manufacturer and placed an order for over 20 items that I already sell. And I saved $30,000. on. Wow. That's incredible. So, you know, she was almost had tears in her eyes because she already had a successful Amazon business. She was already proud of what she was doing, but the fact that she went out of her element, even against, you know, her, her original thought was, no, I'll just stick with what I'm comfortable. You know, it's, it's hard for people to get out of their comfort zone. And I understand that. But the fact that she went over and did that and had that amazing breakthrough, she was almost crying when she told me that she's going to say that she goes, I just sat down and wrote an order for 20 plus products that I already sell. And I saved over 30 grand on that one order. To me, that was worth the price of admission. I mean, I'm glad that I made the trip because you know what we did for that young lady's life is not save her money. We created an opportunity where she's never going to be, I mean, she'll be broke, you know, on, on and off and on, just like, you know, everyone goes through in business, but she'll never be poor because we made an international trader out of her. Not just someone who bought widgets for a day because the knowledge that we exposed her to and the networks that we gave her, she'll have forever and she'll always be able to tap into it. And she told me that she makes that same order about every quarter. So I'm not a a math scholar by any stretch of the imagination, but to me, if you save 30 grand every quarter, that's $120,000 a year. Is that right? Yeah. There you go. I had another gentleman early last year who who came came up to me and said, "Hey, you know, if my colleagues knew that I was here, then they probably wouldn't think too too kindly of it because I'm actually a CEO of a major company in Philadelphia." But he goes, "I wanted you to know that I went from paying fifteen dollars for a, for a product that I'm buying from a wholesaler in, in New York, fifteen dollars to a dollar fifty, and my minimum order quantity was a thousand pieces. Wow! So big deal. I had to invest fifteen hundred bucks. Think about what a break." through that was for this gentleman. And he also said that his supplier in New York would stock out occasionally, which hurt his business, of course. So I don't want to make it look like it's all rainbows and leprechauns, Jim, because we'd be delusional if we we said that. But, you know, anyone could come up with an excuse, like I said, why it won't work. 
I mean, I have people who come in with, with your proverbial arms crossed and go, oh, this is all a bunch of dollar store junk that I see here. Nothing really fits for me. And for some reason, they think that they're unique and that their business is different than everyone else's and that they can't they can't find a, a winner or a breakthrough in China. So if you go into that with an attitude, just like any other industry, you're going to come away with a, with a loser. And what I try to do is take people, you know, by the hand and show them exactly what they need to do to find those breakthroughs and find those products and show them, you know, if this isn't the quality that you want or that you're accustomed to, all you have to do is open the conversation with that supplier and tell them what's important to you. Tell, you know, spec out a product. You don't have to buy what's on the shelf. In China, Jim, it's like Burger King. You know how they used to say you can have it your way right away? So (laughs) you can do it with or without pickles or mayonnaise. It doesn't matter. Sit down and say, here's what you have. Okay. Give me a quote on this and a minimum order quantity and the packaging design and all that. That's all well and good, but this is what's important to me. I want to have this much gauge of stainless steel, or I want to have you know this many stitches per square inch. And you can spec out a product because we're not talking about a wholesale. These guys don't keep inventory on the shelves, Jim. It's made yeah, to order. Right. So they're going to do it exactly like you want it. Right. And if it's important to you to have it in a white box with a green logo and you know extra stitching on, <laughs> on the handles or whatever your product is, all you have to do is communicate that to the, to the supplier, and they will make it the way you want it. We like to use pizza cutters. There's a lot of people out there that use silicone spatulas, but in my in my circle, it's about pizza cutters. So you can go buy a circular pizza cutter anywhere from twenty cents to twenty dollars. It just depends on how much money you want to spend on the raw materials and the labor and the and the quality control. So the sweet spot in the pizza cutter is going to be about a buck fifty to two dollars. So you know you can get any any quality that you want if you're willing to pay for it, or you can get as cheap a quality as you want if you if you want to go that route. So a lot of times people say, well, I don't really want to compete on price. Just because I get a better price, I don't want to lower my price. Well, great. I love that. Because what I like to do, especially for the guy who actually went from $15 to $1.50. Now, that's way outside of the norm. I have to put that out there. Normally, we're going to save you know, 20 25 or 30%, which is still huge in, in a good business. But wait, instead of lowering the price on his product, all he did was a BOGO offer. That's how he set himself apart from everyone else on Amazon. He didn't lower his price. He said, look, for me, if you buy one, I'm going to give you one free. And that's, you know, that's the same as cutting the price in half, but he, all he did was add more value and kept the price the same. Well, I, I love that you're coming at this from a creative Amazon seller. You're an Amazon seller yourself. And a lot of people listening to this right now are. So there's a lot of ways you can get yourself to China and get to a show. But if you go with an Amazon seller who knows some of the Amazon rules and some of the potential there that's represented, it feels like a perfect fit. And I, I want to tell the listener too, I, I forgot to mention this earlier, probably should have that in vetting you guys, which we vet everyone we work with. We run them through the ringer. We chest them out, check them out. And most companies we check out just don't work out. But we actually sent a couple guys with you on a trip to China. I don't remember their names right now. It's, it's slipping my mind. Maybe you'll remember, but uh, a, a guy and his son. I know exactly who it is. <laughs> yeah, because you guys hung out and I've, I've never actually met them, but they were someone on our team, an acquaintance. And then we said, hey, we need someone to go check this company out, see what they're all about. And they're going to be with us in Orlando, by the way, at CES in September. And I think we're going to have uh, that kid. What is he? Is he nine, 12 years old. Like that. He's going to be up on stage. 12 years old. 12 year old. Talking about his experience and he's rocking it. I mean, they've got some exciting stuff going as a result of this trip. So maybe that's a good way as we start to wrap this episode up and share that and tell us what you know about those guys. And, and they're they're from our community, listeners to this podcast. And I hate that I forgot their name. Do you remember their names? Absolutely. It's John and Braden Hogan. There you go. That's it. 
That's it. Hey guys, sorry, I forgot your names to see you in Orlando. But uh, it was, so what happened with them from your perspective? They they came back with glowing feedback, which is why we got so excited about you guys. But right. what was their experience? What are they up to? Well, first thing I did was uh, got John on the phone. I said, look, John, I want you to be the most controversial person, the hardest person to ever impress. And I want you to come in there with the worst attitude possible, because at the end of the day, if I can't impress you and show you value, then I don't want to work with the rest of the community because I'm all about giving. So I want you to come in there with the worst attitude possible. That's great. I had no idea. And the lowest expectation. Oh, yeah. I had no idea you had done that. (laughs) That's beautiful. I love it. So I had a couple of uh, powwows with him online. Uh, We exposed him to our to our pre-trip training. He had a few follow-up questions. He said, all right, so being the devil's advocate, tell me about this and that and the other thing. And I said, nope, you're going to have to experience it firsthand. I'm going to throw you, you know, feed you to the lions when you get there. And I want you to give me your honest opinion when it's all said and done, what I should change, what should keep the same, praise or, or complaint, doesn't matter. And John came in with the whole retail arbitrage attitude because that's the only thing he knew. And if you ever notice, Jim, if the only tool you have is a hammer, everything starts looking like a nail, right? That's right. Yes, sir. <laughs> So John and his son, uh, Braden, an outstanding young man, I might add. Hello, Braden. Hope you get to hear this. Uh, they came in with the retail arbitrage attitude and quickly, you know, of course, I did give him one of my best translators just to stack the deck in my favor. But <laughs> So when he went to the market with the translator, he came back and he was completely overwhelmed with the opportunity. He said, I had no idea, Sean. I had no idea that I could buy the types of products that we can buy here. I had no idea that the minimum order quantities were so small and easy to work with. I mean, you can literally launch products for less than a couple hundred dollars because in the EWU market where I take you, and you know, if you don't go with me, please do yourself a favor and go on your own. But you can buy product a minimum order like you know, 25, 50, or 100 units, which is so easy for people to test and test and test until they find something viable to run with for their hero product. But you know, John exposing him to all that, I mean, he, he came away with an attitude of like, wow, now I have some knowledge that I can use for not only my own business, but to help other in the community. And I think right now he's out soliciting uh, other Amazon sellers to say, hey, look, I'll do your sourcing for you. If I can save you a dollar, would you give me 25 cents of it? Now, who would say no to that? Exactly. And, <laughs> and then Braden, of course, his son, uh, you know, he just picked my brain dry. It's like every morning for breakfast, it was the classic 12-year-old brain drain. And I had to go take a nap afterwards because this kid was so <laughs> thirsty for knowledge. Awesome. That he, <laughs> he was creating videos and stuff for the group there during the mastermind. And, you know, I put him actually put him on stage and let him let him pitch his uh, video production process. I think he took like 35 or 40 orders on the spot. It was amazing. So exposing him to that was, you know, it was uh, night and day to me. And it's what made me decide to take my uh, my seven-year-old or my eight-year-old's going with me here in June real quick. So that was awesome. But, you know, when, when it comes to uh, Amazon, uh, we didn't talk about this. I didn't know you wanted to talk about it, but uh, I'm about four years into my Amazon business and we're doing, you know, north of a million dollars a month, which I know is way out there uh, compared to a lot of the people that are going to be listening to this. And that's fine. You can do that too, if that's what your aspirations are. But, you know, having an eight-figure Amazon business only required me to launch product after product after product. And it wasn't about finding that that one huge success that I can hang my hat on and brag about at my next high school reunion. It was about finding a series of small successes and building on those and then going a little bit deeper with the supplier and saying, okay, you know, we're selling your pizza cutter. What else do you have that might appeal to my to my customer base and complement this product? Because we already have the relationship. Oh, we already have terms. I love that. 
I love what you just said. You know, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, Sean, but one of the themes around here is inch deep, mile wide. We tell people, you know, try a lot of different stuff when you're selling Amazon. Don't go all in on anything ever until you've inched your way to the point where it's just another day in the neighborhood. If you're writing huge checks and getting all nervous and afraid and man, okay, we just mortgaged the house and our future on this, this product better sell. We never teach that. Now we've had people do it and succeed. I had them on this podcast, but they're not normal. <laughs> that, and, and I don't want to ever coach somebody into that position. So I love what you just said that you, that's what Brett, my, you know, my eight figure uh, partner, eight figure Amazon selling partner. He's on this podcast all the time. That's what he's done. They would much rather have three, 300 different products that sell a handful per week than one product that's going gangbusters that could easily be taken out at any moment by a competitor, right? Why? Well, everyone's trying to take that guy's seat. Exactly. Everyone wants to be the number one guy on the page. But if you're looking down to position six, seven, or eight in private label, nobody wants to be that guy. That's all I'm asking for. We actually, in 2015, using the eWoo model, I launched over 350 new products in 2015. That's almost one every single day, (laughs) seven days a week. And I was able to do that in small quantities because of the marketplace and in the small commodities market was built around the whole idea of exposing you to multiple millions of different products. I mean, you and I can literally walk the same market for a week and come up with a hundred unique ideas and never even have any, uh, uh, not even have the same idea yeah. because it's that big and it's that powerful and you can, can negotiate that people will sit down with a manufacturer and say, okay, minimum order quantity, or they'll say, what's the price on this? All right. It costs you a dollar. Oh, what's the MOQ, which is minimum order quantities. Oh, well it's, you know, MOQ on this is 1000 pieces. You're like, wow. So what if I only take 100 pieces? Oh, we must charge you much more. Well, how much more? And they get their calculator out and say, oh, I'm sorry. I must charge you $1 and five cents. You're like, okay, that's a no <laughs> brainer. <work. laughs> yeah. Give me the, give me the small quantity. So well, because the thing we forget is that, you know, the dollar really does still go a long way in China. It does. It's a powerful currency we're blessed to carry around in our wallets in this country. It is the international currency. It's to have business. And uh, I was, I was I had a little Bible study here with a group of uh, teenagers the other day uh, at our house, teenage boys, and and we had some missionaries from China here, and we were having some conversations. And I, I observed and made the point that you got to realize, just sitting in this room, speaking English, the, your ability to understand this podcast right now, you speak the international language of business. Yep. You know, we have the international currency of business. The opportunities that you know, students around the world go to university to learn the second language of business, English. And here we are speaking it all day, every day, and we don't even realize the asset we're sitting on. It, so there's so much opportunity here. Man, it, it, it's time to kind of start wrapping this one up. I, I'm thinking of like all different directions we could continue to go, but going longer than an hour, I'm told on a podcast is not a good idea. So I need to wrap this one up. But man, this has been a great call, Sean. And I want to remind everyone in the show notes, if you go to silentgym.com, slash podcast. Look up this episode. We'll have details there on how you can join Sean on one of his upcoming trips, what the dates are, what the prices are, what you can expect. All that information is there, how to contact Sean. So go do that. We've got the Proven China Sourcing book that I told you guys about earlier. We'll have a link to that. If you want to educate yourself a little bit on this process from someone who's been doing it since the mid 80s and uh, we'll have all the other links we've talked about today. But Sean, I, I want to thank you for your time first. And before I let you go, is there anything that we left off 
that you're thinking to yourself, okay, we, we really needed to mention this that would really help educate the listener and help them make a decision specifically on, ah, should I be considering a trip to China or not? Did we hit all the bases or is there anything left out there that you'd like to hit? I think the, the biggest thing that I'd like to put out there just as far as, you know, providing value and, you know, forget about China. All right. If you never go to China, to me, that's your loss if you're in a physical products business. If it's meant to be, then I will see you there. You and I will be working together hand in hand and I can't wait for that day. But when it comes to doing the, uh, the, what is it, inch wide and uh, inch deep? <laughs> inch deep, mile wide. Inch deep, mile wide. There you go. Yeah. When it comes to doing that and testing products, I like to, to teach people that it's not about making a profit on the test. When, when we actually test a product in small quantity, forget about it. I know no one else is ever going to say, don't worry about the profit. But if you can actually gain data and, and save time, that is your profit when it comes to a successful test. So for us, it's about getting it done as quickly as possible. If we if we have a new widget we want to launch, you know, if we spend a hundred dollars or two hundred dollars on product, forget about trying to make a profit on it. All you're trying to do is prove yourself, just prove the concept that the product is viable, that there's an existing market for it, that you can sell it. If you break even or lose a little bit, it doesn't matter because your profit is in the data. And that's data that you can't buy anywhere else once you prove that a product works. All you're doing is proving out your assumption that you think the product will sell. And once you go out there and sell a hundred of an item, even if you break even on it, you're going to have a lot a lot more courage when it comes to sitting down with the manufacturer and actually negotiating the price. So just forget about the profit in the test is all I want to put out there, Jim. I love the point you're making there. And actually, have you been through our PPI training yet, Proven Performance Inventory? I have not. Sean, it will freak you out, man, because it <laughs> is exactly what you're talking about. It's discovering, we call them golden gaps. And for the listener, if you go back and listen to podcast episode, I think it was two and then 16, and then it was either 31 or 32 where I had Brett on again. And we talk about this this and we give you everything you need to know. The course is fantastic and we'll step you through it in videos, listener, but it talks about the power of keywords on Amazon. Every day there's people using Amazon typing in phrases that take them to a page where there's no relevant product. We call these golden gaps. The shoppers are looking for stuff that's just not there yet. We basically teach you how to find that. So you could go to China armed with this list of terms looking for products that fit these golden gaps, these terms. It's just, it's like one of the most beautiful marriages ever. A trip <laughs> to China with Sean armed with some PPI keyword phrases. Man, we've got to figure out a way maybe just to integrate that into part of what you guys are doing as part of the preparation process. So people can go in knowing, hey, here's the hot terms and we know these phrases are magical. We know they're on fire. Let's find products to help fill these golden gaps. Uh, it's a beautiful concept. So maybe you and I need to talk more about it. But listeners to this podcast, some of them are, are probably doing backflips right now thinking, oh yeah, I know what a golden gap is. I got to go to China and fill some of these golden gaps I've discovered. Um, because finding the product then at a really good price where you can make a great profit becomes the challenge after you found the gap. Man, beautiful stuff. Well, I'm sure you're going to be back on, Sean. Can't wait to see you in Orlando yep. in September. That's going to be beautiful. You're going to love our community. I think it's just really going to resonate. And uh, thank you for your valuable time, man. We uh, we spent quite a bit on the time on the phone with the listeners today. And before that even, getting to know each other a little bit. Great day, man. This was awesome. But hey, listener, I just want to thank you for spending about an hour with Sean and I today. Hopefully it was time well spent. Hopefully you got a great education on going to China. It takes a little of the scary edge off of it, maybe, if, uh, if you're thinking that's something you would never do. Maybe you're considering it now. Come meet Sean. Come hang out with us. 
contact him at his office. Again, it's all in the show notes. But I just want to remind you, like I always do, guys, thank you so much for giving me a valuable investment of your time today. I take it very seriously. I want the return on investment to be huge for you. I love doing this and I hope it provides a ton of value to you. This is what I was made for, man, helping entrepreneurs succeed. So thanks for hanging out with me a little bit today with Sean and God bless you guys. Can't wait to do this again real soon. We'll talk to you then.